GNS3 is a tool that folks use to create virtual networks for labbing purposes. The environment allows you to run binaries under QEMU, Docker container images, and virtual machines, plumbing them together using an intuitive UI. GNS3 is sort of magic, and it's free. And to be clear, you have to supply your own networking device images to run in the GNS3 environment because GNS3 is just that, an environment to run device images you have the legal rights to run. But GNS3 is the environment that makes it easy to plumb those images together and see what they can do. And there are certainly other tools in this space, both open source and commercial, but GNS3 happens to be my go-to for lab work. And in this episode, Heavy Networking welcomes GNS3 co-founder and developer Jeremy Grossman and networking instructor David Bombal. We're going to cover the state of GNS3 in 2021, what GNS3 can do that maybe you didn't know and what's on the roadmap. So if the last thing you did in GNS3 was calculate an idle PC value, there are a ton of new capabilities for you to catch up on. So David, I'm going to welcome you to Heavy Networking and uh, send this first question your direction, because in this show, we actually don't want to focus on the basics of GNS3 particularly, but I know there's a lot of information out there for those folks who have maybe never heard of the platform and are new to it. Where would you direct them? Ethan, great to be here. One of the first places I'd recommend people to go to is the docs, so docs.gns3.com. So if you go to gns3.com, just look on the menu, you'll find docs. Also have a look at the GNS3 Academy. I've created courses and there's a whole bunch of information on the GNS3 Academy. So I know a lot of younger people prefer videos. So if you wanna look at videos on how to set up GNS3, there are paid courses and there's a bunch of free content out there. I mean, I've got a lot of content on my YouTube channel. So if anyone's interested on you know, learning about GNS3, have a look on YouTube. Yeah, I, I know you commented. You well, found I some I, I'm laughing because I remember tweeting earlier this year that I think any search I, I've done on how to accomplish whatever in GNS3, I've ended up with something you either shot a video of or wrote about. Um, so yes, all GNS3 roads do seem to lead to David in some way or another. So, And yeah, a lot of that's just free content you've made available to the community. So th- thanks a lot for all of those efforts, David. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think the, you know, the problem with a lot of open source stuff is the the product is fantastic, but it's it's often difficult perhaps to to get documentation. And I think, you know, Jeremy and I've been involved in it and quite a few other people. I mean, I'd just say this, there's a whole community that really supports GNS3. So a lot of guys have done a lot of work creating content and other videos and stuff out there. So, you know, rather than being stuck with GNS3. If you look, you'll find stuff. And that reminds me, I must mention the community. There's a whole community on GNS3. So if you go to community.gns3.com, I think it is. But I mean, it's on the menu. Uh, there's a whole bunch. There's a, there's a whole bunch of people helping in the community. So oh. if you get stuck, you can ask questions there. Yes. Well, then another thing I wanted to clear up are myths or old thinking about GNS3. And I bring this question up because I hadn't been doing a lot of labbing for a few years, and I got heavily back into it over the course of 2020. And a lot of what I thought I knew about GNS3 kind of proved to be wrong. So I thought this would be a good opportunity for for us to address those people, maybe like me, maybe they haven't used it for a while, but they're getting back into it because they want to study for a cert or something like that. And they're thinking old thoughts about GNS3. What are some myths worth dispelling? I mean, let's start with the obvious one. And Jeremy, this has been the, the nightmare for years, hasn't it? It's like switching is not supported in GNS3. I mean, oh, yes. That's, that's like the top one that we've had for years and years and years. Yeah, always come, come back um, all the time. Like, Oh yes, GNS3 switching is not supported. It is in fact supported. Has been for a very long time. Um, like for instance, uh, even back in the days with Dynamics, you could use a like one of the switching module uh, that you could insert in in the router, and you could have switching. Okay, there was a lot of limitations. We always had some kind of some form of switching. Yeah, and Ethan, I'll say this. I mean, I got involved in Genus or with Genus Three quite heavily I, about five years ago, I think it was, Jeremy. And um, there was at that time, you know, switching was basic. But in Genus Three, we started supporting. Well, Jeremy, you did all the work. You started supporting um, Cisco QMU images. So I think it's also important that we, do, you know, talk about Dynamips versus QMU because now that QMU supported, you can run all the Cisco CML or viral, as it was called, images. So a big one that I use a lot is iOS vLayer 2, and that gives you basically almost anything. And these days, I'm struggling to find something, Ethan, that you can't do. I mean, name something. Well, like, like guys used to say, Ether Channel's not supported. It is now. You can run Ether Channel in GNS3 or uh, 
private VLANs or, you know, port spanning, stuff like that. A lot of that stuff is now supported. So that's a big myth that's been around for years that we need to sort of hit on the head right away while we start, you know, no, when that, we start that, up. That's a really good one. I, I, uh, I've been paying for CML licenses for uh, two, three years now. And uh, yeah, I've been using those images in GNS3. And right, the iOS V L two. There we go. That's, that image works, and that's my go-to. Um, that's the one that I use most frequently. But even if all you needed was something basic, there's just a basic switch image that gives you, uh, I think, eight or two dot one Q tagging and stuff. If you just needed something very rudimentary, that's built right into GNS three. No special image required. So uh, certainly, I'm glad you mentioned that because we we've mentioned Cisco now, but. People forget GNS3 is a multi-vendor platform. So you could run Arista, you could run Cumulus, you know, just pick a vendor. Uh, more than likely, you're going to be able to run that vendor's device in GNS3. So perhaps yeah. you could use the built-in device in GNS3, but you could also use another vendor's switch. The, the, the caveats with that is a lot of times there's, you know, memory CPU concerns and, and sometimes it's just weird things that happen with some of those images. But but right, I think the point here is people think GNS3 is Cisco only. It isn't. It is a... No. It, it's really... I think of it more as a, an environment in which you can run some kind of a virtual image and it gives you the ability to plumb them together. It's not vendor specific at all. It's, uh, Jeremy, is that a good way to think about it? Uh, yes, yes. As long as a vendor has a virtual image for the appliances, uh, then we can run it in in, mm. in GNS3. Mm. So, like, yes, you have like the F5, Juniper, Fortinet, like many, many vendors. Actually, we, we can run in GNS3. Mm -hmm. I, I, to your point about memory, I mean, if you run a cumulus image, you, it's it's a very large image. But the the Cisco images, uh, Jeremy, remind me, I can't I can't remember exactly, but I think it's like 768 mega RAM. But I mean, yes. you can run like a whole bunch of them and, it, yeah. and the memory is optimized. Yes, yeah, you can run like uh, maybe 10 of them in a, in a VM. It will, will run okay. I, I've run more than that, many more. I, yes, like, <laughs> well, I've given, yeah, so much. architecturally, I've given the GNS3 VM. I had a big, big old box, I could, ESXi host that I could run the GNS3 Ooh. VM on. I gave it 64 gig of RAM and a bunch yeah. of vCPUs, and I was able to fire up, I think, I got to 20-something routers, which was... Fine. It just it once they booted, getting them booted was a, was asking yeah. a, a bit of a lot because there's a lot of CPU that goes on getting them up and running. But once they were there, they they ran uh, just fine. So that I mean, even we've been doing it well. I mean, all three of us are CCIEs. So I mean, the the, the and, and we we all some of well, we're old. I won't I won't mock you guys for your age, but I mean, I I got my CCI too too long ago, <laughs> and in those days you had to buy physical equipment. But I mean, yeah. in the last I'd say five years. I think there's this trend. I've got a I've got a whole bunch of old equipment lying here. For what reason I don't know. Yep. Because you can do almost anything in GNS3 yeah, on the other platforms as well. Of course, I'm the guy who wants to teach QoS courses, which is one of the one of the areas where you're kind of limited as what you can do because you got to have actual silicon there to to actually deal with some of the queuing. But ah, that's that's me and my bad luck. Sadly, that's a good point though. But I mean, if you were studying like, I mean, I don't know how far we'd push this, but if you were doing CCNA, definitely GNS3 is, is you know more than enough. Well, too much preps, and then CCMP, you could probably cover most of it, and even a lot of the CCIE stuff, huh. you could do a lot of it. Oh, in yeah, GNS3. for sure. I mean, the, the, yeah, I, I, I too am from the era where you had to have a hardware rack um, yeah. to do your CCIE prep. And uh, nowadays, if I reflect back on what that course of material was, there wouldn't have been much. Uh, wouldn't have been much. I would have no. needed to have hardware for. So, all right, we kind of got off on the weeds there, but uh, but myths. We were talking. Oh, switching definitely is supported nowadays. It is multi-vendor. It is not Cisco only. Uh, give me some other myths, guys. I mean, well, this is a great update from VMware this year. Um, recently, VMware F uh, Fusion is free. Always made. They've made a free version of it. A big complaint I often got is, okay, David, you're showing us VMware Player on Windows, which is free. So you can use VMware Workstation Player for free to host the virtual machine that comes with GNS3, but it was a problem on a Mac. But that's changed. Um, and I think just looking at virtualization, I don't want to, I keep going into the weeds here, but like with VirtualBox, nested virtualization is supported. So I think the 2020 was a great year for getting virtualization software that allows you to run GNS3 for free. Mm. Um, so you, you don't need to pay for VMware anymore. Yeah, you could even use a uh, Hyper-V, uh, which comes yeah. by default with uh, Windows 10. You, mm -hmm. you can use this for running Gen 3. Uh, but you, we usually recommend VMware because it's, it runs well. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I run uh, VMware Fusion on my Mac. And uh, of course, I'm running Catalina, and there's this memory leak bug that causes a kernel panic. Um, so I can't leave my labs <laughs> up, you know, for hours and hours and hours at a time. Uh, without the system rebooting itself, but uh, yes, it is. It works very well for all the plumbing and the connectivity and and all the rest. I used to have a server down in the basement that was my ESXi host with a GNS3 VM, but I don't do that anymore. Um, I added some memory to my Mac that now I've got enough to just do it all right on the same machine, which uh, saves electricity and um, VMware Fusion is is great. I happen to be using the paid version of uh, VMware Fusion, but. Uh, I guess I'm just so wealthy, right? So much money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just barriers. I mean, when we, going back to the old days, I mean, the barriers to entry were so high. You, you had to buy equipment, rent equipment, do something. But, you know, it's so it's so much better these days. There's a lot of free content out there. So if you're studying yeah. as free content or low-cost content, to run GNS3, is, um, is the, the platform itself doesn't cost any money. You just have to pay to get images and stuff like that um, or download them from a vendor. So like Arista or Cumulus, just download them from the vendor and import them. So the barriers to entry have been lowered a lot. And that I know that thing, I mean, if you've got a Mac, some guys will, you know, Make comments, snarky comments about it. You can afford the VMware price, but you know, <laughs> for well, a lot of guys, it was like, why, you know, why do I have to pay I, for this? Kind I, of I, 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 and I get that perspective, and and I, I wish I was wealthy where I didn't have to think about these things. But for me, the cost used to be thousands. You were committing thousands of dollars Correct, yeah. in training material and in equipment to get these certs. Now you're down to hundreds, and it just seems so much less to me that I don't, I don't mind paying. $179, whatever it is for VMware Fusion to get the support and, you know, and all of that, that, uh, that makes me, makes me feel a little bit better. I was really glad to see that because it means that the, the Windows guys can get it for free. Yep. The, the Mac guys can get it for free. And I mean, Jeremy, I'll punt this to you on Linux. You could, you, you could use VMware and run the VM. And I think we need to get into that conversation Ethan, about, you know, is the VM, the GNS3 VM required and why would you use it? But Jeremy, what would you say for Linux? I know you use Linux as your primary. Uh, so if you're a Linux beginner, uh, I will recommend you to use a VM. Uh, otherwise, you can just re uh, run GNS3 natively on Linux uh, if you know how to install the GNS3 dependencies. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'd want to, though, if I have a virtualization engine that can just stand up the VM, because the VM makes it so easy. But but yes, there are those yes. people that are going to want to tinker, and they'll be happy to install GNS3 on Linux. and They want the, the best performance possible, and so they, they will install everything on Linux. Uh, but if you want to, I, I mean, yes, it's good advice to separate things. Uh, so everything about GNS3 in the VM... So if you mess up with your operating system or something, uh, everything is in, in the VM. You can yeah. even do backups. Uh, so yeah, it's best. Yes. Okay. Give me a few more myths, guys. Anything else worth raising here? Yeah. I mean, I just thought of this one. It's for years there was this myth that you. I mean, there's two myths basically. They there was this myth that you had to use just the the thick client. So years and years ago, there was just a thick client that you would install in Windows or on your Mac. And then you'd run Dynamips locally. And then the architecture changed to running the GNS3 VM. So Linux operating system in the VM, which makes things a lot easier and, and more efficient. So you would use the thick client to connect to the GNS3 VM. Um, but there, people do have problems with that. So I mean, so one myth was you, you had to use the, the G, only the thick client locally. And then the other myth, which is a more recent one, is that you have to use the VM with the thick client. But Jeremy and the team have been doing a lot of work on creating a web-based client. So in the last, I'd say, two years or so, Jeremy, especially um, the last year, there's yeah, been mostly, a lot of work. Mostly the last year, yes. Yeah, yes, there's been a lot of work push. on the, the UI, hasn't there? The, the web UI. Yes, correct. Yes, we, we push uh, we push a lot this year to to improve the web UI. Uh, so now it's mostly uh, running fine. Like so, you can uh, you can start to use it. Is and I'll just say that Ethan, there was you know the, the, the a lot of a lot of myths that people one myth well another myth is a lot of these um, guys think it's really complicated to set up. And I, I'd say it is if you don't understand virtualization technology. Um, if you don't understand how the, the the GUI and the VM connect, 
uh, that could be complex, but the idea now with the VM and, and the just the web UI, and I did a, a video on that recently on YouTube if someone wants to see it. Uh, it's very, very easy to set it up because you literally import the VM into your platform. So like VMware Workstation on Windows, uh-huh. you boot it up, you point your, your, your browser to it and the, the way that you upload the images and stuff is very easy. You, you can get it set up in a few minutes. I, yeah, I'll corroborate that. I mean, I, I am familiar with a lot of virtualization technologies and had a pretty good idea of what was going on in the background. But still, so much of what you would maybe normally have to do is just handled. Um, uploading images and so on, all that stuff is really straightforward. I just told GNS3 where my images lived, and it I said, okay, I'm trying to want to create this new thing that I can use in my lab. Okay, here, here, oh, here's the here's the file name. Is that the one? That's the one. Okay, boom, created. Now I can drag and drop it into my topology, and off we go. I just I wasn't stumped by too much uh, as far as that part of things goes, and um, and a lot of the rest of it's covered in documentation, David. Like we were talking at the uh, the top of the show, or someone's written a pretty good blog post that explains things like. Like yeah. you wouldn't intuitively know that the cloud object, for example, can connect you to your local environment. Um, but but I said, oh, I want to be able to run something outside of GNS3, uh, like Python scripts or something, and then manage things inside of my GNS3 lab. Yep, the cloud object, drag, drop, and a little bit of plumbing, and it, you're off and running. It was very, very easy to do that. So that wasn't intuitive, but it was very easy. As soon as I did a little bit of looking, <laughs> someone had an article that explained exactly how to make that go. Um, oh, and then, now you can use uh, the NAT, uh, NAT cloud. Uh-huh. So if you need access to internet, it's very easy as well yep. to do. I'll just say this though, Jeremy, it, just correct me if I'm wrong, but I think with a NAT, you can go out of the Genesis 3 topology, but you can't come in. And then you need the cloud if you want to exchange routes and stuff like yes, that. Yes, it's correct. Yes, NAT yeah. is mostly used for uh, to access internet. From from the your GNS3 project, yeah. So if you just want to like get internet access from your devices in GNS3, as an example, um, Ethan, just use the NAT cloud. Yeah. It will the NAT device. It's so yeah. much easier. Yeah. But um, yeah, cloud works. <laughs> you want to exchange routes, Python, etc. So let's talk about what my GNS3 installation should look like these days. We've been talking about the GNS3 VM. So architecturally, I've got I've got this GNS3 VM is going to be my preferred way to go. It's not the only way I can go, but but let's we're talking about like an ideal installation here. So I've got this VM running somewhere. I've got a well, I got a couple of client options. I'm using what what we would describe as the thick client. I've got that. I inform the thick client through the preferences where my GNS3 VM lives. And, and and what else? Is that the typical installation today? Are most people going to be headed over to the, the web direction or? I'll take this, Jeremy, and you, you I, I don't want to, I don't want to hog the call if you like, or the, or the, the, you know, the, no, uh, the podcast. I mean, I, I, th- I think that's what most people would still use today, just historically. And the, the web UI um, is being developed and it's, it's getting refined more and more and, becoming better and better but uh, i think for a lot of guys especially if they want the features if 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 you're a technical user and you want lots of features then the thick client is probably the the most common um implementation uh-huh. um but just a note and i don't <laughs> you said it's going to be technical so i'm going to get technical uh-huh. um the, when you set up gns3 you can either use what's called a remote vm or you can use the local vm so the idea with a local VM is when it automatically picks up that you're running the Genesis 3 VM locally on yes. your Mac or on your Windows device, and then it can auto-boot it. So when you yes. start the GUI, as an example, it auto-boots the, the VM. But if you run it on an ESXi server, then it needs to be a remote mm-hmm. VM. So that's an option that a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. There, was, there, was, there were problems with version 15 of, of BMW Workstation. So the integration between this, the, the, the thick client and the VM there were a lot of problems. And the way to get around that was to use a remote VM. So a lot of people are moving to that as well now. They run a remote VM in the cloud or on an ESXi server or even locally, and then maybe run multiple remote VMs. I'm not sure if that answered your question, Ethan, but that's another option. <laughs> well, it, I, mean, I think what we're saying here is we're stressing the point that the GNS3 VM is the, is the core of where all the processing is happening and where the virtual images are running. And you're, as running a thick client or a web UI, that means you can run that VM wherever you want to run it. And you're just, now you're, you're locally looking at what's happening somewhere else. So you've got a lot of flexibility that the GNS3 VM gives you. You're not married to 
uh, a one workstation that's running everything. You can set it up a lot of different ways, but again, at the core of it is that GNS3 VM. Yeah, and I mean the the, the advantage I think the, what Jeremy did with the which I think is amazing as a user because I'm just more of a user of the product is um, if you you and I can share the same VM. So if you if we host it in the cloud as an example, you can connect to it using your web UI, so just a web browser. I could use the thick client, and whatever devices I drag into the topology are replicated onto your client. So you could have multiple clients accessing the same VM. Access in the same VM. Um, so since you bring up that s simultaneous thing, does that also mean I can collaborate on a lab? Yes, this is a, this is correct. You can you can collaborate. You can see anything you a user do does in the lab. You can, other users can can see it. So if you if you create a node, delete a node, etc., you like other users uh, will be able to see it. So that would be what they. People open the same project. They open up the same project file, yeah, and now yes, they can they, both. They, they connect to the same project, uh, and anything you you do is replicated, oh. including the, the console. Like if you type something in a in a console, uh -huh. other other users will be able to see it. Huh. It's great for teaching, as an example. I was just thinking, boy, that's great for instruction. That that sounds really really interesting. If I can connect to what someone else is doing, and you know, and observe and. You know, or vice versa. Well, well, okay. Back to architecture, though. So, okay, this GNS3 VM is important. So, let's say I'm trying to build a machine that's going to run this GNS3 VM. What's more important here, RAM or CPU? Would you say? Uh, I would say RAM is a limiting uh, factor uh. <clears throat> uh, because some of those uh, appliances can can consume a lot of RAM. So, so the more RAM you have, the better. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. Some of the vendor images are, they need, they want four gig of RAM. Um, there's one, what's that big monster Cisco? And it's not, I don't think it's iOS XR. It might be on the iOS XR. I think it wants like eight or 16 gig of RAM. It's like, come on guys, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's comedy <laughs> trying to fire that thing up. I mean, and you can- But, but I, need, I need to play the, 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 give you the counter on that. Can you imagine trying to do that in the old days? How much money mm -hmm. did you have to have to do that? Oh boy, so no, the, you're no. buying RAM, but I mean the fact that you can replicate that is is the way I like to look at it. I mean the fact that Genius 3 exists and Cisco and other vendors have created these virtual images means for studying and learning. Okay, it's a pain with the RAM. I agree, but you can still you can still do labs on it. Yes, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's just <laughs> when there's so many of them that give you so much functionality or so many so many of them, so many different vendor images um, that give you so much functionality for so much less RAM when occasionally you run into these real yeah. titans, these just heavyweight images. It's like, whoa, that's a beast. And the limiting factor just becomes how many of them can you run in a given topology? Yeah, you're just, you're just naturally limited. There's only so many of those things you're going to be able to stand up. But I agree, RAM has been the thing. And for most of the things that I've wanted to do, uh, going back to the Cisco CML images, a lot of those are less than a gig in in their memory footprint. They're 512 or they're 768 uh, meg. And so you can run a ton of them and get up some crazy fancy topology if you want and study all kinds of things. So, you know, I'll say I'll say this, you know, RAM is important as well, because you could run an ESXi server that or do some other crazy stuff. I mean, you can run Windows VMs in your Genesis 3 topology. Uh, and I mean, there are different ways to connect them, but you could run everything on the VM. So if you've got a lot uh -huh. of RAM that's running on the server or on the cloud, you can load uh, Windows ESXi, like an actual ESXi image and then nest VMs within that if you really want to do crazy stuff. Hmm. I mean, the great thing about GNS3 is it just, you know, poor Jeremy gets all these guys like, how do I make this work? How do I make this work? But, you know, what are you doing? It's crazy. Well, Actually, with, um, with GNS3, you're not limited to one VM. You can have the yeah. one VM, which is a GNS3 controller, and you can have uh, different uh, VMs or event servers that, uh, that the controller um, is going to use to run uh, images. I was I knew that you could do that and that I'm glad you brought that up because I have a question. So if I've got these two different VMs running I images but they're all to me they're all connected. They all look like they're on the same topology. How are the two VMs talking? Are we standing up tunnels somehow between them? How how are the images uh, conversing? Uh, you need to have two the two VMs on the same uh, layer 2 network. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, so 
So you cannot just have a one VM in the, in the cloud and then one VM on your laptop. Okay. And as the two communicate, then you need to do a bit of uh, magic, like create an open VPN tunnels and stuff like that. Okay, so if you were going to write stand them up all over the place, they, they've got to have layer two adjacency. As long as the VMs have layer yeah, two adjacency, you're okay. Like a, However you provide yeah. that to them, whether it's just regular old yeah. common switch and common VLAN or, or mm. write um, open, uh, I was going to say open tier, and that's the wrong thing. I'm forgetting the name of the thing. Too many projects that I think about in the course of a, of a week. Um, if I'm making a decision about Windows versus Mac versus Linux that I want to run GNS3 on, whether that's the client or, uh, or the VM, um, well, is there any uh, concerns I have here, things I got to think about or that might help me make a decision there? I mean, if you just run to run the VM, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you want to run nat natively, uh, yeah, please use Linux. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Actually, I can attest uh, to this. Sorry, go on, Jeremy. Oh, uh, yes. To give you some news, like uh, starting with the next major uh, version of Gen3, we, we won't support running devices on Windows or macOS uh, natively. You will have to use a Linux server or the VM. Too much development work to try to keep all that stuff yes, running it's natively. A, it's a nightmare yeah. to to keep up with all the changes yeah. between Windows and uh, Apple, and it's just crazy. We we are a small team, so we just cannot keep up. And there's so many bugs and configuration issues, and yeah. it's just a nightmare. I mean, the, the the question that you always get. I mean, most most guys can. Well, I mean, I think from a support point of view, it's mostly Windows guys. And then it's like they, they try and use the, 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 the thick client with a VM and then the firewall blocks the connection. Uh, yes. and, and just stuff like that. Yeah. It's just so many things that cause problems. Uh, another thing that's changed in GNS3 over the years, or not changed, but we've gotten this addition of apps, this idea of GNS3 apps. I can go to like a library and I can download what really amounts to a small text file uh, and then import that into GNS3. Explain to me what a GNS3 app is. What is it really? And uh, what's, what's actually happening behind the scenes? So we call it the uh, GNS3 appliance, uh, which is actually not a good name because many people ask us, uh, where, where are the images? Where are the Im images? <laughs> but not, they are not included, you know? <laughs> actually, the GNS3 appliance file is just um, a bunch of settings uh, that we use to, to run an images that a user provides. Um, so the, those settings are the best settings uh, you can use to to run a given appliance from a vendor. Yeah, and I've I've cracked one of these uh, appliance files open, and it's exactly what you say. It's just just a bunch of settings, uh, and and that is the one point of consternation. It's like, wait a minute, I thought I was bringing you know a <laughs> new capability, a new image into the system. Mm -hmm. Well, you are if you have access to that image uh, and where it's located. So that's that is the not the rub, but that is just the, the fact of it. You're not downloading an appliance that does the thing. You're downloading a text file that makes it very easy to bring in an image you already have and get it established in GNS3 so that you can use the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we even um, considering renaming uh, this to something else. So to avoid those, those questions. Yeah. But that said, in that text file, there are directives to like a file name and occasionally like there, there, there's some things like say you want to just download a Linux image and, and run it. Um, there's nothing like you don't need a special license from Cisco to do that. That's just like a publicly available uh, free image. Sometimes the, those appliances have that information in there and you can download download uh, uh, yes, the thing. We, yeah. We include the link so you can download the, the file from from anywhere from internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's included in uh, the appliance file. So who creates the GNS3 appliances? Like, like could I create one if I wanted to and contribute it to the community? Uh, yes, you could. Uh, we have some documentation explaining you how to do it. Uh, so you mostly have to, to be a GitHub user, to have a GitHub account. And you create a pull request on one of our, our repository. It's a, it's a simple file, so you, you just edit it and send us the changes. Uh -huh. And then we, uh, we, we review it, and then we, we include it to the, to the list. Okay. 
Actually, I might dig in and uh, see if I can get one going for free-range routing, which is uh, a project that I've been quite interested in. There is one out there for an older free-range routing, but those guys are iterating all the time. And so I think the one, last time I checked, the GNS3 at plans for free-range routing was 7.1, and I think 7.5 is current with 7.6 coming before too long. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll dig into that. That would be, uh, that would yes, be a fun because, one. Uh... We we, uh, we rely on uh, contributions to to maintain the list of uh, our appliances. You don't just do them all yourself. We cannot Jeremy? do it. Yeah, no, we have, we don't have time to, to to track all the new appliances out there. So so we need our users to do it. If you're listening to this and you've never been on the GNS3 appliance uh, library, there are maybe hundreds. I don't know. Certainly many dozens of appliances out there for all kinds of things. Uh, and right, I could, and Jeremy, I, your name is attached to a bunch of them. I know you've created several of them, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I, the Cisco ones, and yeah, it, it would be a full time job to keep up with that if that's uh, that's all you did. And we need you, we need you making writing code, buddy. So uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of writing code, GNS three has an API. Um, this I discovered recently, and and that's about as far as I got with it. There's an API there. I haven't dug into what I could actually do with it, if anything. So can you explain the GNS3 API and the use cases? So actually, the, the clients, the web UI and the desktop user interface, they both use the API. So you could, uh, you could create scripts, uh, and you, can, you could um, control everything using the API. So the API is part of the GNS3 VM, and the client is an API consumer. Uh, yes, yes, uh, yeah. The server is installed in the in the GNS3 VM, so the server provides the API. Got it. Okay. So is that a documented API that if I wanted to uh, dig in and figure out how it works, I could, I don't know, write a Python script that stands up a lab in a particular topology for me, something like that. We have some documentation for the API. It's on the api.gns3.net. Uh, however, uh, we're actually working on a new version of the API, mm-hmm. uh, which will provide a better documentation using the Swagger UI. Uh, it's a very, very famous UI to see uh, API documentation. Swagger, okay. Yeah, so that'll be... Yeah. Okay, I know what Swagger documentation looks like. So that's going to break out all the methods and the things I can expect to get back so, and yeah, exactly. all so, the JSON. Well, assuming it's JSON and so on. Yeah. Okay. To answer your question, Ethan, yes, you can build a topology using a Python script if you wanted to. So you, you could build topologies, start devices, shut them down, et cetera. It's just a script is using the REST API. It's just another client. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's what I was curious about. If there's enough API methods there that I can get that granular with it. So if I know I want to stand up a topology that's got two switches and six routers with this kind of plumbing and some, um, can I get as granular as configs where I can feed uh, IP addresses on either end of a link and these kind of things? Basically, have a topology uh, up and running. You can provide the startup configs and and the like. Uh, you just can't say I'm going to configure an IP address on this device. Uh-huh. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's you need to um, to provide the config files or mm-hmm. or do it like using uh, maybe uh, expect to co- to con- to um, connect to a console and do the the configuration for you. But that's one of those things to have that ability. Um, it it's nice to have that kind of flexibility because it's a t- it's a time saver to me ultimately because it means I can build labs off of a template rather than having to use the GUI. Not that there's anything wrong with the GUI, but it's a lot of clicking around, especially if it's a complex topology. But you can also export and import topologies. Yeah. Hmm. Let's say I made a topology, I could export that and then you could import it into your topology, into your GNS3 VM as an example. So you don't have to build it from manually. Manually, you could just uh, import it. So even even more options there then. Uh, yeah, Genius Three has a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> it said Python, and I say this is a user. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of options. I had said Python because that's my default. I'm assuming if it's just APIs, I can use Python or anything else that can interact with an API and and go for it. But is there a special library that anyone's written for Python to interact with GNS Three? Uh, we know there's a few projects around, mm-hmm. uh, nothing official, uh, but we would like to make our, our own uh, uh, Python client in the future. Mm. What about something like Ansible? Is there a fit there? 
about yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't used Ansible because it's. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming if you if you if it's REST API, you could you could use which whichever tool you wanted to. I've done mainly with Python, to be honest. I okay. I'll check into the. I want to say I ran into a blog post a while ago where someone had done something with Ansible and a playbook to stand up something in GNS three. But that's a fuzzy memory. I could just be making that up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean the, the advantage of Python is obviously you have full control. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I think the days of network guys not learning Python are long gone. There's too many cool things you can do with Python. Just way too many cool things you can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, containers. I want to talk about containers for a bit. Con I can run a Docker container within the GNS3 environment. In fact, uh, if I, if there's a, an appliance for it and the container lives up in Docker Hub somewhere, it'll just download the container for me. It's, again, the, sort of magic. Yeah. But, but containers, they're really designed to be ephemeral. So running them like a VM is... Potentially, it's a tricky thing, or at least it would be in my mind, because the, the assumptions are different. The container usually comes up, disappears, and you don't really want to have to worry about state. But of course, in GNS3, I'm worried about state. I'm trying to keep my network devices and so on alive in between boots as I'm working through the lab. So what is how do containers work within GNS3? What, what are the use cases? And is state a problem or not a problem? I mean, as a user... Uh, and I think a lot of the users of GNS3 don't have a, a lot of RAM necessarily. They want to run a big topology and RAM is, is a limitation. The advantage of containers is they're very lightweight. So, uh, well, that's one of the advantages. And as you mentioned, you could just literally drag it into your topology and it'll auto pull it down uh, and it's just there like magic. So huh. it makes it very, very simple, less overhead. So a use case for containers that I did uh, used a lot was the automation container. So you would, if you wanted to run Python scripts in your GNS3 topologies, and I created a course on doing that, and it worked really well. You just drag an automation container into the GNS3 topology, and there, and you're ready. And you just create your topology, and you can run scripts to to make configuration changes, etc. I think I have used that you container that you're talking about, David. It, uh, it's there as an yeah, appliance. Right. It's got Python and several other tools on it. And yep, exactly what you're saying. It uh, makes it very it makes easy it to simple. get at things. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing is if you're running it on the VM, and I mean, that's where, where we're going, rather than running a thick VM locally on Windows or having to put a Windows VM on the, on the GNS, within the GNS3 VM, which takes a lot of memory, you've got these very lightweight containers that you just run. Same with Ubuntu. There's another really good one that I liked a lot um, is the Toolbox um, Docker container, that's got like a web server, it's got a TFTP server, FTP server. So if you're studying for CCNA as an example, and you just want to learn or you, you want a, a server in your topology where you can back up configs and stuff, you just, once again, just drag it into your topology, it's there. So lots of reasons to use it, very simple, very lightweight. Um, to your question about persistency, you can just make a change on the container and then it will become persistent. Jeremy, I can't remember where that came in, but that's been a while. That's been around for a while now. Um, oh, yes. Yes, at least uh, five years. Yeah, so you can make the containers persistent. So that was always a bugbear for a lot of guys, for instance, with the automation. Well, it was the, on the Ubuntu container, they'd install Python, shut GNS3 down, uh, boot it up again, it was gone. Yep. But now you can make all the directories or even just some of the directories persistent within uh, the, the Docker container. So it's all there when you boot it up again. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think it gives you the best of both worlds, if you like. It, my only comment on lightweight is um, yes, but that does depend a bit on the container. In other words, it's very possible sure. to make a container that's a beast. Uh, sure. So don't assume because it's a container, it's lightweight. I mean, pres now, presumably, <laughs> if uh, it was built uh, like you mean for it to be built, then it should be lightweight. But there are certainly some monster containers Definitely. out there. No, agreed. But I mean, as an example, it, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, a, it's to your point. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to determine... The, the the guy who made the container what what that container contains yes uh, excuse the pun so you know what is what what's <laughs> right. all part of that container so uh, the, the one that i find extremely useful is if you just want a whole bunch of clients in gns3 and jeremy you should talk about this as well like vpcs was the very lightweight pc that a lot of people used in the past but vpcs is a very limited type of device so it's recommended today to use say a ubuntu docker container so you've got linux and you if you want to like tools, yeah. 
yeah, all the tools. So if you want like 50 or 100 clients because you're doing some crazy topology, it makes a lot more sense to run 50 or 20 or whatever uh, Ubuntu clients or PCs rather than trying to you know, run VMs or VPCS. So my, my recommendation is to use uh, Docker to run all the lightweight clients and uh, QMU to run all the network appliances. Got it. Okay. I want to go back to the web UI that's coming. Uh, is that something that is available today? Like, I think I just upgraded to 2.2.16, something like that. Or is that coming in the 3.0 release? No, no, it's already available. Uh, you can't do everything you, you can do in the desktop UI, uh, but it's very close. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't remember if we hit this one before, but is, does this mean the thick client's going away and it's going to be all browser eventually? Um, so we have been considering uh, dropping the desktop client, uh, but I think we're going to to keep it because so many uh, of our users like the desktop uh, client. Mm. So it will it will just be uh, yeah like some, an additional client you can use. But our focus is on the web UI. The default UI uh, is a web UI. What browser do I need to run the web UI for GNS three? So we officially support Firefox and uh, Chrome. Okay. Not Safari, so the Mac users will be... Well, does that um, mean it's not supported or it won't run? Uh, I haven't tried personally. Uh, you can you can try. You most likely yeah. it's going to run, but maybe not. I, I cannot say. Yeah, I'm a Firefox guy, actually. It's just <laughs> I know a lot of people are big Safari fans. <laughs> Uh, I'll say this about Jeremy. He's a he's a strong open source and freedom kind of guy. So he will you can use what you like, but don't ask for help when it doesn't work. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So let's say I'm on my GNS3 VM is uh, it's living on my home network, and I want to access it afar via a web browser. I should be able to do that, right? Yeah. Just just like any other client server kind of connectivity, as long as I've got yeah. a you know a do appropriate port forwarding, firewall rules, et cetera, that would be, that should be all good. Okay. And I've done that before in the past, actually. Uh, well, what about a proxy? Proxies can introduce some tricky things. Would that work? Uh, so proxy, some of the things may work, uh, but it's, it's currently more like working progress. Okay. I, can, I cannot guarantee it's going to work. All right. Really. Uh, another big change, especially for the Apple people, is uh, Apple has announced their own silicon, and they've come to market with the M1 chip. What does that mean for the Apple users that are running GNS3? So as long as uh, you can run like VMware Fusion or VirtualBox, uh, you should not have any problem running uh, GNS3. Right. Okay. So we'll we'll see what that means then. Um, this will be interesting. Yeah, because... Uh, I heard there was some issues with VMware uh, Fusion with the new. Uh... I believe there are issues with Fusion under Big Sur. Like I haven't upgraded to Big Sur yet because I rely on Fusion for a bunch of things. I'm waiting for that. The new chip and the new silicon will be interesting. Reportedly, Rosetta 2, which is the translation layer between x86 and M1, as I understand it, is quite good. Will it be good enough that we can run uh, Fusion? With Genus 3 VM that's talking to Rosetta 2 and applying it to M1, is that all going to work? I don't know, man. I hope so. <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> but I, but it's fair to say there are no plans uh, for Genus 3 development to go native on Apple Silicon. That that That's not going to happen, right? No, no, no. It's not, it's not yeah. going to happen. Because there's only one Jeremy, so... <laughs> and the trend is VM, isn't it? So we're moving away from clients. Yeah, that, exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Why, so why would you code to that thing specifically? There'd be no demand for it. Other than it'd be super cool. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the future of GNS3. We've talked about where things are. Hopefully everybody's been caught up now on the state of GNS3 in 2021. So let's look ahead. Uh, the web UI is, is one of those things. So how far away are we from that fully featured web UI, Jeremy? Uh, we're fairly close. Uh, we need to add um, the ability to run on multiple uh, GNS3 servers, so add multiple computes, uh, as we call them. Um, so this kind of things, we want to improve the packet capture uh, too, because it's kind of uh, you need to install a, like a client pack on your on your operating system to to run with Wireshark 
the run package gadgets from the web UI. Oh, okay. So that's something I can't do at the moment, like I can in the uh, uh, in the thick client. Oh, you can do it, but it's not uh, as user friendly as uh, as we would like it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's the the web UI coming coming soon. It's getting close, um, and as we run this, it's January twenty twenty one. So hopefully that'll be uh, out soon. Um, is that going to be when's that officially going to be done? Is that going to be the GNS three three release? Is that when you'll consider the web UI complete? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, that's uh, when we release a GNS three 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 point So most likely uh, mid next year it's going to be released. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, next year. Well, we're in twenty twenty as we record this. So you mean twenty twenty one? Oh yes, mid twenty twenty one. The final release. Because we will have lots of uh, alpha and beta releases before. Very good. All right, so that's one thing for the roadmap of GNS3 is that fully featured web UI. Uh, what other features are, can we look forward to? So we we will have like a advanced multi-user management layer. So you can uh, have multiple users with authentication, uh, like resource usage limitation, so the, the main goal is, is to, to have like GNS3 can be used in a classroom environment. Hmm. So you have one teacher, many uh, students, and they can all work on their own projects without messing up with other people's projects. Hmm. Okay. That's, I'm just thinking about what goes into something like that. There's, there's, there's a lot going on. I know some of that feature, those features are already there based on what we were saying earlier, like someone else can fire up the same project and, and the other person can see what someone's doing, but this is, you're taking it even a, a step further here. Um, yes. So what else? Um, so we're going to have a new, uh, new API. Uh, we call it version three. Uh, so with the documentation I've been talking about earlier, mm-hmm. Uh, so you can uh, you can see all the all the documentation and the and the API, and we want to uh, to make it uh, more um, user friendly to use. So if uh, there's a new, you said new API, does that mean an updated? Like if I've already invested in uh, some scripts that are using the existing API, it, it, is that going to break when I go, when the new API is published? Uh, yes, yes, but we do, we're going to document uh, everything. Actually, it's not going to be that many changes, but there will be a few uh, few changes. Like uh, we're going to rena- rename a few endpoints. Oh, oh and yeah. we're going to add we're going to add all the user management uh, layers. So you're going to have new endpoints for managing users' rights. That doesn't sound too bad. I mean, if, if renaming an endpoint is different from we completely restructured how the data sets come back to you, um, so it doesn't sound too bad to update scripts, uh, perhaps. And and you're going to want to use the new API because it's better and well documented, Jeremy, as you're saying with Swagger. Exactly. So that'll be great. <laughs> All right. So some some work to look forward to, but uh, but not too bad if you're already invested in the existing GNS3 API. Is that that's a 2021 kind of thing, Jeremy? Along, well, oh, uh, yes, well, we, GNS3 3.0? Yes, yes, it's all coming with the next major version. <laughs> and we, we're working hard uh, on it. Mm. And one thing you said is coming that we mentioned earlier in the show, um, running devices directly on Windows or Mac OS, that support is going away with GNS 3.0. Uh, it's correct. We're going to scrap all of this and focus on... The, running Gen3 in a VM or a remote uh, Linux server. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, in, anything else that you want to mention, tease us about for uh, roadmap features? Uh, so we have many uh, surprises coming. Uh, I, I could mention like, uh, like uh, we want to improve the, so all the security. So you can uh, run on the server with HTTPS. We have all the authentication support. Um, and also the scalability, uh, so you you make it easier to run uh, GNS3 on multiple servers in the cloud, for instance. Hmm. Well, um, also now I'm just curious, scalability and like uh, make it easier, like so, like like make the network plumbing easier, that kind of thing. What would you be doing to improve that experience? Uh, so you could uh, spawn uh, multiple servers. So the controller uh, will decide on which um, which uh, compute or server uh, you want to run an image. 
so he could, he could uh, the controller could decide uh, which server uh, is, is going to run a given image. So GNS3 is going native on Kubernetes. You heard it here first. <laughs> we could leverage uh, Kubernetes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. That's a great conversation, gentlemen. And, uh, and to close out the show, I would really appreciate it if the, the pair of you, starting with Jeremy, would share how people can get in touch with you. If you have a blog, a Twitter handle, a book you've written, anything like that you'd care to promote. Go ahead, Jeremy. Um, I'm kind of a ghost. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, I, I, do you keep in touch with the GNS3 community at least, Jeremy? Kind of check in and see what's going on? Oh, yes, I check on the, on the community. That's the best way to, uh, to connect with me. Okay. Very uh, good. Because, yeah, I, can, I cannot just uh, be online because I, I already received so many requests on my yeah. uh, few accounts out yeah. there, like uh, yeah. Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. We get that. I He's got a understood. code. He's got a code. <laughs> I've got the code. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and David, I know you're uh, you're right out there. I see your posts on Twitter and LinkedIn uh, pretty regularly, and so on. So yeah. tell people how they can follow you and anything else you'd like to share. Yeah, Twitter, uh, David Bumble, or I mean, most places, just David Bumble, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Most social media platforms, just search. For, I've got such a funny surname. Just search for my name. You'll find me very quickly. <laughs> Thank you for taking time to be on Heavy Networking today, <laughs> both of you. We really, really appreciate it. This was, uh, this was great to catch up on what's going on with GNS3. And uh, to you that are listening, hey, everybody, welcome to 2021. May it be better than 2020. Thank you for starting off the year with some heavy networking. You can find this in many more of our fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That is all at Packet Pushers. .net. If you think heavy networking is the only show we do, we, we got a lot more of them. So check it out. Look at the subscribe page. You can see our current lineup of shows. If you'd like to join uh, some of our community, hey, we got a free Slack group. You can go to packetpushers.net slash Slack, uh, and you can be anybody. You can work for a vendor. You can be just a network engineer, whatever. And there's, last I checked, all oh, like 1,500 people that are in there having very nerdy conversations about networking. And just jump in. Uh, water's warm. A nice, friendly, welcoming group of folks. If you want to follow us and keep up with the shows that we're producing, we're on Twitter at Packet Pushers, and we're also on LinkedIn. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.